Thank you, Elena. Truly, we were created for God's good pleasure. We ought to praise Him with our life. I appreciate the words to that song. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. chapter 1 this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for creating us. Lord, I pray that you would bless this time this morning now as we hear from your word. And Lord, we were reminded of the great work that you did in, in creation. You are our creator. You're our God. Lord, for those who have received you as their personal Savior, our Heavenly Father, and Lord, we thank you. Lord, we're thankful today that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And I pray, Lord, that this morning that we might be reminded of this once again and encouraged, strengthened, empowered. Lord, that we would also, Lord, that we would be challenged to, to stand and be strong, continue on finish the fight. I pray, Lord, that you would meet with us, speak to our hearts. Thank you for the young man that got saved this morning. Lord, I praise you and thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us now, meet with us, speak to us through your Holy Spirit, through your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we read the scripture, I want to go back and just want to share a few things with you. I I will tell you that as I was making preparations for today, the message that I had, I couldn't have peace with. I kept praying and asking God to give me peace and give me direction. And, and then when he did not give it with that message, I began to pray, what do you want me to preach, Lord? Um, I, I just kept coming back to what's happened this week, and I couldn't get away from it. And I think that it's needful that we stop in a moment like this and be reminded once again of what's actually happened this week. Be encouraged by it. Uh, get excited about it. Praise God for it. That's why I wanted to start today with the first song we sang, To God be the glory, great things He hath done. I praise the Lord for what happened this week. And before I get to that point, though, I want to go back a little bit because I think there's a lot of misinformation that's happening right now. And if you're watching uh, the standard news media, you're going to be hearing a lot of things that are not necessarily true. Um, There might be some truth to it, but twist it, just like the devil did in the Garden of Eden. They'll take some truth and twist it. They'll talk about different things. There's some congressmen and women that have stood up for what happened this week and encouraged by it and taking a stand for it. And they're being called all kinds of horrible names. They're being called racists, which is an amazing thing to me, uh, considering the the premise for which they're calling them racists. They're, They're calling Supreme Court justices Uncle Toms and things like that. And it just amazes me. Uh, that they would do things like that. And I say all of that because I, we're living in a great country. I praise the Lord for the United States of America. And we're, we're going to be celebrating their freedom next week. And I'm going to be talking a lot about that. But I think it's important that at a time like this that we stop and we remember and we learn and grow from it and we move forward 
with a cause and understanding what is next. I think it's important that we do that, but in order to understand all of that, we've got to look at a little bit of the history, and then I want to get into what the Word of God has to say about it, and then come back and what we can do as a child of God here in this country, in this great country, at a time like this. And today, I want to talk about the sanctity of human life. And for us to talk about this, I want to go back, and I want to talk about a few different judgments that took place within the Supreme Court in our history here in this country. The first one I want to share with you was in 1857, the U.S. Supreme Court made a decision. That, I mean, it looks really silly today. 1857, though, this was the decision. It was a seven um, of the nine justices decided this. Okay, they only had two dissenters. Seven of the nine, they decided that a black slave named Dred Scott was nothing more than the property of his owner. Thus, he had no rights as a citizen and no protection under the law. I mean, can you even imagine that? That they went to the Supreme Court, this man, because of the color of his skin, was judged to be not protected under the Constitution, and he was nothing more than a, a, a thing to, that was owned by his owner, his slave owner. And it's interesting that Justice Taney, he said this, listen to what he says. Negroes, slave or free, were not included and were not intended to be included in the category of citizen as the word was used in the Constitution. Wow. Now we look back at that and we say, I can't even understand how they would even think that way. I'm completely 100% against uh, looking at the color of a person's skin and judging them based on that. 100% against that. And yet there was a time in this country that the law of the land was that people that were Negroes had no representation as being a citizen of this country. Therefore, they had no rights. Today, after a civil war, after civil rights, and after thousands of inappropriate actions, this atrocity has been corrected, and all men, no matter what color they are, are viewed as equal under the Constitution. And I say praise the Lord for that. I'm thankful for that. I want to share another one with you, though. This is a particular one that's interested me right now because I, this week I saw a, a tweet that came out from President Obama, former President Obama. And he said that it was nearly 50 years of precedent and could not believe that they would overturn nearly 50 years of precedent when it came to abortion. Now keep that in mind. Let me share with you another ruling. In 1896, the Supreme Court ruled in Plessy versus Ferguson that racially segregated public facilities were legal so long as the facilities for black people and whites were equal. Are you understanding what this is saying, right? Segregation. Blacks go to one bathroom, whites go to another one. Blacks sit in the back of the bus, whites sit in the front of the bus. Some of you are old enough to remember some of these things. That ruling that constitutionally sanctioned laws barring African Americans from sharing the same buses, schools, and other public facilities as whites. They were known, came known as the Jim Crow laws and established the separate but equal doctrine. By the way, if you want to, and I'm not going to get it, I'm, you might say I'm getting into politics today. No, I'm not. I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about what's right and what's wrong. I'm talking about common sense. I'm talking about using the Word of God to give us common sense through these issues. And when God looks at people, I like the song I learned when I was a kid. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. No matter what color skin they have. 
Yet there was a day in this country where people that were of color had to go to a different uh, a room in a school or a different school or had to go to a different part of the bus. Or, then, you know, I can't even comprehend that today. Yet that ruling, it happened back in 1896. 1954. 1954, 58 years later, Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka was a landmark decision in 1954 the Supreme Court had, which the justices ruled unanimously that racial segregation of children in public schools was unconstitutional. Yet the precedent had been set for 58 years. 58 years in this country was segregation that separated people because of the color of their skin. And today, most people would say, I can't even comprehend that. I can't even understand that. Let's move on. On January 22, 1973, the Supreme Court rule, it made a, it a, they ruled, and it was a terrible decision. The court struck down the abortion laws in all 50 states. Struck all the laws down of all the states, all at one time. That deciding that a woman's rights to privacy gives her the right to abort her unborn child. Her right to privacy allowed for her then to be able to snuff out the life that's within her? In the court's opinion, they determined that the unborn child was not a person as defined by the Constitution. It was not a person as defined by the Constitution. Are you all with me today? Hey, just a few years earlier, the color of the skin determined whether a person was alive under the Constitution either. A person under the Constitution. They determined that that unborn child was not entitled or guaranteed the right to life because they were not deemed a person. Instead, the baby was nothing more than the property of the mother to choose along with her doctor whether the child was to live or to die. Man, I, I read that and I go, I can't even comprehend it. You know what's amazing today is you have these people that are for abortion are calling those that are against abortion, they're calling them racists. Have you listened to the news this week? They're calling them racist. Why would they call them racist? Does anybody know, does anybody know the history of Planned Parenthood? Planned Parenthood is one of the, the biggest abortion pro-abortion, they are the responsible for more abortions in this country than any other entity. And yet they were founded by a lady that she was a, of a person of white descent, and, and she was wanting to rid the world of the lessers. She was wanting to get rid of the black people because they were a drag on society. Go back and read your history. That's the problem. A lot of people today, oh, by the way, calling a black person an Uncle Tom is actually a compliment. They don't even know it. Go back and see what it really means. They say things like that. And I'm saying this because we've got young people that are being indoctrinated today with all kinds of false teaching. They need to know the truth. And what better place to learn the truth than at church? You say it's political. Listen, when you're talking about life and death, and you're talking about what is sacred in God's eyes, this is not about uh, uh, politics. This is about morality. This is about what's right and what's wrong according to the Word of God. And if we as God's people can't get together and talk about what's right and wrong when it comes to human life, we've got a problem. And if we as God's people can't get together and take a stand against those that are against the Word of God, there's something wrong. 
And a preacher that won't get up and say the truth from the Word of God on these subjects, something's wrong. They're afraid because they're people in churches today all across the country that have itching ears and that's all they want to hear is what makes them feel good. Now let me say this also. We're also a church that has the love of God in this place. God's mercy is more. It's greater than anything we could ever do. You might be here today and the thought of what we're talking about, it really hits a nerve for you because you've been involved in that. It might have been something perhaps years ago in your life before you got saved or before you understood. Listen, God loves you. God's grace is there for you. His mercy is there for you. You can have forgiveness, and maybe you've already sought that. God's forgiven you. Just remember this. God has already forgiven you. It's in the past. If you've never asked for God for forgiveness, you can ask today, and God will forgive you. But that being said, we ought to take a stand, and I need to tell the truth, even though it might hurt. We've got to take a stand. We need to understand what's going on in our society today. There is so much that is happening in our society today, and I really want to make sure we understand it. And so I want to move on. Abortion, what it caused, what it did in this country. The um, Guttmer Institute, they, they estimate that since 1973, approximately 63 million babies have been aborted in this country. Can you wrap your mind around 63 million? 63 million. That's about 20 babies every 20 seconds since that time. 63 million, that's approximately 18.5, 19% of our population in this country. Can you imagine wiping out 19% of the population? 329 billion, a million people, excuse me, not billion, million. 19%. You know the greatest human tragedies are nothing compared to it? There's nothing of human tragedies that compare to the tragedy of abortion. Nothing. Not even war. I mean, counting all the American wars from 1775 to present, there's a little over 1.1 million people that died. Now, that's a lot. We ought to be thankful for those who are willing to give their life for the freedoms that we have in this country. But that's 1.1 million. Hitler's Holocaust claimed about 6 million lives. I know that number can go way up when you talk about the lives because of the war, but I'm talking about specifically because of the Holocaust. Six million. Six million. It's a lot. People, families just like ours, rounded up because of the ethnicity of their family. Does it sound familiar? Because of the color of their eye or skin, because of where they came from. Rounded up and treated like animals. No rights did they have. They tried to figure out better and better ways to get rid of them. Atrocities we look back at now and it just blows your mind to think about what they did with those bodies and how they treated them. Families with children. Six million. Abortion has been a modern day holocaust. Worse than 61 million. 61 million. You say, well, why are you even talking about this? Don't you know what happened? Well, praise God what happened this last Friday. I want to praise the Lord for it. Last Friday, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. 
Praise the Lord for that. Effectively ending recognition of a constitutional right to abortion and giving individual states the power to allow, limit, or ban the practice altogether. The ruling came in the court's opinion in Dobbs versus Jackson, Women's Health Organization, which centered on a Mississippi law that banned abortion after 15 weeks of pregnancy. In other words, it's still legal down in Mississippi to get an abortion after 15 weeks. That was the law that they passed down there that, that was challenged all the way to the Supreme Court. Justice Samuel Ito, he wrote in the court's opinion this. He says, we end this opinion where we began. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority and now overrule those decisions and, and we now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elective representatives. I'm glad for that. Now what does that mean? That means that abortion is legal in most states still today. Roe versus Wade was overturned and turning it back to the states which means that we now in this state are going to have to make a decision about life or death, about abortion or life. We're going to have to make that decision. I've heard this. I heard this a few years ago. I was at a Right to Life dinner in, in the Right to Life Michigan. He got up and he said that on the laws right now in, this Mich in Michigan, right now there's a standing law that abortion is illegal. Do you realize that that is true? It is illegal in this, country, in this state right now to have an abortion. And the people that are for abortion know it. And they are very upset about that. And so prior to this, our governor filed a lawsuit in, in trying to get that law thrown out, saying that it was not still valid because of the time frame of which it was, it was so many years ago, uh, over 50, well, 49 years ago in months. That it was that long ago, so it should not be. So they're, they're challenging that right now. They're trying to get that law thrown out. I'm not sure how it's going to pan out, but I will tell you this. Many prosecuting attorneys and the head lawyer of our state has already said that if we have that law on the books, they're not going to enforce it. They're not going to enforce that law. What's the point? We've got a lot of work to do yet, folks. Roe versus Wade, praise the Lord. It's like saying, here we are, we're in this great war, and the war is raging, and yes, we won the battle of Roe versus Wade, but you know what? There's still battles to come. We need to stay plugged in. We need to still be on, on, on board with wanting to be against this. You know, there's something else that's happening also. I want to share this with you, and it's something that I want to make sure that on the way out today, if you want to get a copy of it, let me see if I have it. I thought I put it right here. I need some, one of my ushers grab one of that, um, that, that flyer I want to hand out today. Oh, there's that one. Real quickly, I want to go over this, and I'm going to get into the preaching this morning, but I, I really think it's important that we understand what, what, what is in the future right now. Um, we want to, I want to get this into your hands because right now, many of you probably already know, but in case you don't, they're trying to change the Constitution of Michigan to include the right of abortion. And it's not just the right of abortion. We've got to understand this. When, when, when you have these people that are against the Word of God, when they're against the sanctity of human life, when they're against the, the institutions that God has put in place, 
Hey, by the way, does anybody know what the very first institution is you find in the Word of God that God instituted the very first one? What is it? The family. Man, they've been attacking the family. And it's interesting that they're going to try to attack this abortion issue with making it legal. At the same time, they're going to try to really affect the family at the same time. And so I, I want to encourage you to grab one of these, be in prayer about it. There's petitions. I don't know if they I think they've already had their petitions filled out. I haven't heard an update, but they're trying to get on the ballot this coming November to change our Constitution of Michigan to make it a, 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 a perpetual, always legal and, uh, for abortion. Let me just read this. The committee called Rep, uh, Reproductive Freedom for All is working. See how they say reproductive freedom? Um, for All is working to amend the Michigan Constitution led by Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. This um, committee's amend, amendment would create a new, unlimited, and unregulated right to abortion in our state. The uh, radical proposal is not about reproductive freedom at all. That already exists. This poorly worded amendment would repeal dozens of state laws, including laws unrelated to abortion. It could affect any law related to pregnancy and abortion and does not, attempt, uh, does not exempt minor children. Here's some of the laws that are at risk. Uh, parental consent for abortion. They want to get rid of that. They want to be able to talk to your child, that child that's expecting, and, and help them to get an abortion without mom and dad ever knowing about it. Um, ban on school employees helping children to have abortions. They want to get rid of that ban. Um, laws requiring parental consent for medical treatment related to pregnancy, including sterilization and hormone therapy. Does anybody know what that's talking about? There's a whole movement right now to get kids that are confused because of a lot of the stuff that they're watching on TV and the things they're hearing in society and what they're being taught in the classroom, they're confused whether they're a boy or a girl. And there are a lot of them that are making a decision at adolescence. You guys remember decisions you made at adolescence? Did anybody make any bad decisions during those years? Raise your hand. I think all of us would have to raise our hand. They're going to let them make a decision without mom and dad being involved to Get, become sterile because they want to become the opposite sex and receive hormone therapy. It's all, it, it, see, this thing goes on and on and on and on. It's an attack. I don't want to get so, any, any further in this, but I, I want to just encourage you. Make sure you get this. This talks about that. There's also a paper back there from uh, Right to, uh, to Life of Michigan, and it really goes into details with that. And so it, it's going to be a challenge. You're going to hear, I can tell you this right now, you're going to start hearing why there ought to still be abortions. And, you know, the, the, the age-old thing, what's the number one reason why oftentimes they say there ought to be an abortion? Is anybody? Anybody? Rape. Yeah, rape. One percent. One percent. One percent of all the abortions is because of a rape. And I'm not even sure if that number is right. It probably is lower than that. Yeah. How about this one? Defects. They say fetal defects. I say baby defects, what they call one percent. Mother's life endangered. You've heard that one a lot, right? Why we should have abortions? Four percent. That's the reason they say. I still don't believe that number. Is there times when mother's life is a challenge? They have to, it's difficult? Yeah, of course there is. But even at that place, we have to be so careful that we don't pretend to be God. And so four percent, if they want to use the whole argument... You know the main reason why, the number one, 76% of the reason why in this poll and why abortions happen? Interference with life. It's going to interfere with my life. 
Have you seen the businesses this week that are saying that they'll pay to send their employee? They won't say what gender they are. They're going to send their employee that's expecting a child and to have an abortion in another state. They'll pay their expenses. Have you all seen that in the news? They'll pay it. I mean, big companies, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Tesla, the uh, list goes on. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Disney, boy, they were right on board with that right off the bat. Uh, I wouldn't trust Disney at all. Seventy-six percent, because it, you know those businesses, it probably would be easier to pay for that abortion than it would for that mother to have a child. Think about that for a moment. We live in a crazy day. We look back at the past and we say, how could our country have thought about people of a different color of skin as not being unequal? And they're, they're, you know, we can't even comprehend it. How could we as a country look back and for some 58 years have on the books law that said that black people couldn't be, they had to be segregated from white people? I can't understand it. What I do know is this, is that mistakes have been made in the past and they were righted. I can tell you this, Roe versus Wade was a huge, horrible thing. And I'm thankful that we're on the right path to righting the damage that was done. Just because right now that it's back to the states does not mean that it's over. We really need to get involved. And I can tell you, I'm going to say this. I'll tell you, I'm going to come back to that. Let's go ahead and move on now. I'm going to, when we get to the end of this morning, I'll challenge you with a few things. But I want to look now, okay, what's the whole point of all of this? Life. The sanctity of human life. Why does this matter to us? Why is it important? Because we have to go to the place that we look at as the final authority for our life, where truth can be found. The problem is today in our society, there, people are being taught that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Our society today is, is indoctrinating our children, indoctrinating individuals. We have a whole generation now that's gone through that indoctrination that sees you as nothing more than a cosmic accident. You evolved you evolved from some cosmic thing years ago, and now you're just this, I mean, you were it turned into a blob, and after so many millions of years, now all of a sudden, boom, J.B. Wells is here. <laughs> he says, sorry up here. <laughs> we all laugh at that, but there's people that they actually believe that that's what happened, and so therefore there is no value to life. That's why you have people that start Planned Parenthood that are trying to help along the evolutionary process by getting rid of the undesirables. Yes, that's why. That's why you have people today that are all for euthanasia. It's a nice name, isn't it? Euthanizing. Sounds good. Euthanasia, that's like the youth group over in Asia, right? No. No. It's talking about Snuffing out the lives of individuals that can't contribute to society. That's really what it's talking about. That's talking about just like they did during the Holocaust. That's talking about people like we have seated here with us today that some would say are lesser thans. And I say that, and I can say that, and you can throw stones at me if you want, but I got a daughter, she's autistic, and there are those that would say that she can't contribute to society. <laughs> You're not going to touch her. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying to you, right? And I don't mean that as a, I don't, I'm not trying to be threatening. I'm just saying she is so valuable. 
And we're talking about what the, a whole way of thinking, a mentality of where you would even get to the place where you would take a beautiful creation in the womb and take that life. And by the way, they, they figured out all kinds of ways of killing babies. Just like they did the, the Nazi concentration camps. They got, they got to the place where they were getting more productive and they would learn how to do it better. And they would do all kinds of experiments and things like that too. Don't think they haven't done that with human tissue from aborted babies, from killed babies. We think about these things, and people don't like to face the truth of it, but it, it blows my mind, and we've got to tell the truth. We've got, to, we've got to trumpet the truth so people hear it. The bottom line is people have to understand they're not some cosmic accident. They're not here without a purpose. God created you. And I want to see here today three biblical reasons why abortion is so wrong. Number one, God sees each unborn child as a person. God sees it. He created us. He created us in His likeness, His image. It says there, look if you would, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Male and female, you see that? And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. We were created in His likeness. God created you. God made us. God created us in His likeness. God, we see there that God said, let us make man in our image. We see the plurality there of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a holy trinity, but three yet one. Making God, God says, I want to make man in our own image, He says there. And God created us as a trichotomy. We are three parts. We are body. We are soul. And by the way, the most important part, what's the third part? Spirit. God created us in three parts, body, soul, and spirit, intentionally creating us for a relationship with God. He made us that way. He wanted a relationship with us. He created us special. And God seats each unborn child as a person that He Himself, He has created. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. In Psalm 139, I want you to turn over there. Turn there if you would. Psalm 139. Psalm 139, look at verse 13. There's people that need to have discussions. There's people in your life you have influence with that you can, with the right spirit and right heart, share the truths that we're learning today. You certainly ought to be sharing these truths with your children. They ought to know these things. And people that you love, people that you have influence with in your life, these are verses of Scripture that will help you. I don't encourage you to mark these. You might know these already, but this would be good for you if you, that discussion comes up. Here's the thing. People have opinions. We all have them. People that have an opinion on this subject, they go back to how they think, how they feel, how they were taught in, in school. They try to prove some scientific thing with, because of what some man said. When we have conversation with people like that about this subject, we have to use something that is not an opinion. 
we have to use something that is absolute. They can argue whether it's absolute or not. The only thing they can say that they're basing their facts on is opinion. Whereas we say we base our facts on the Word of God. They, they, they can argue, but the truth is, this is the truth. And so use the Word of God. Well, I don't want to be a Bible thumper. Well, listen, if all you have is an opinion, it doesn't mean, mean much. You've got to use the Word of God. And that's why we're looking at these verses. I want, to, I want to give you tools to help you in those conversations because there's a lot of that conversation that's going on right now. Number one, we're made in God's image. God created us special. By the way, different than any other creation that He made. We're not just an animal. We're created in His image, body, soul, and spirit. Okay? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at there at 139 of Psalm. Verse 13, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou art covered me, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book are my members, are my, all my members, excuse me, I want to make sure I say that, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. This is a great passage of Scripture. Listen, we have been created by God while God uses a natural process. Listen, no life comes into being without the touch of God. God is the one that made us. God is the one that, that, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And, and God, you know what? He doesn't make mistakes. None of you are mistakes. God doesn't make junk. Man, I tell you, the world today does a good job of making people feel like they're not worth a whole lot, once again. Trying to make you think that you're nothing more than a mistake and that your life has no purpose. You look at the suicide rate of teenagers today. It's at historic highs because they're being taught they're not worth anything. Listen, you are worth so much. God created you. God made you special. God created you on purpose for a purpose. God loves you. He says, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. It's like a hidden away treasure until that proper time for you, that time where you were to be birthed into this world. Listen, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thirdly, we are formed in the womb. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5. Jeremiah verse one, chapter 1, verse 5. He says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. That's an amazing thing right there. What do you see there? God knew him before he ever was born. God even ordained him. God had a purpose for him. Something was already assigned to him for his life before he ever had that birth date. God already knew what he was going to do, what he was going to do. I formed, I created with care is what that means. I mean, that word forming, it's like a sculptor sculpting out. He was making and forming you as a child, as that baby there inside that womb. He knew, it says, he knew you. Indicates an intimate, experiential knowledge person to person. God knew you. All human life which begins at conception is precious to God. Precious to God. You see, God seats each unborn child as His possession. The Bible says in Psalm 139, verse 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. The idea is to possess one by the reins. The 
picture there. That's an interesting word study. If you look at that word in the Hebrew, that word, it's a reference to literally the kidneys of all things. You'd never even guess that. It's the Hebrew word because they viewed the kidney as the seat of all human desire and longing. In our vernacular today, we might say our hearts. They said kidneys. Interesting. And so when he talks about reins, that's what he's talking about. It has the idea of the one who authors life. God does not just know every part of me. He possesses me. He possesses me. We literally are his divine creation. Every one of us. Every person, every one. You're his divine creation. And we must realize that I only have life because he breathes life into me. It's a miracle. Hey, have you been there when, when your wife gave birth? You seen the miracle of birth? I, I can't even comprehend after watching something like that that you can't say that there's a God. I can't comprehend that. I also can't comprehend after watching something like that why somebody would want to kill that baby. I can't comprehend it. It's supposed to be the safest place. That baby is being protected in the womb. I can't comprehend it. God sees each unborn child as his possession. God sees each unborn child as purposeful. In verse number 16 of Psalm 139, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in the continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You realize that God, he ordained our days. God has a purpose for us. God has a calling in our life. God has a purpose why he's created you. God, is, He wants to be involved in your life and He wants to work in your life. God, He began all that, by the way, before the foundation of the world, He knew about you. He knew everything about you. He knew whether or not you would trust in Christ as your Savior. He knew what you would do. He had a plan for you. I mean, in advance. And that would include, obviously, if it happened all the way before the foundation of the world, God is eternal. It happened also in the time when you were inside the womb, in each stage of development, from the very beginning, from conception all the way to birth, God had a plan for you. He knows everything about you. Everything. You know, when you get to loving somebody, what are the, one of the characteristics of loving somebody? It's getting to really know them know them and know them more. And by the way, as you get married, you get to know that love of your life more and more and more and more every day. And here's the awesome thing. God knows you about, he knows everything about you. He loves you. He cares. You are his special creation. In Jeremiah 1.5, he said, before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee. God has a sovereign plan for your life purpose for your life. God created you special. And the sad part today is when people choose abortion, they just have no clue as to what they are actually killing. I say that no clue. I'm not talking about the fact that they don't know that they're taking that child's life. There's some that might say that they believe that, but I believe way down deep inside, inside the heart of individuals, they know. They know. They don't want to know. They want to deny that there's a God. They want to deny that there's a purpose in life. They want to deny that that child is special, that God had a plan. They want to deny all of that, but I believe that down deep they know. 
And what's sad today is there's a lot of people that give advice to people like that. They say, well, the child's probably going to suffer anyway. Why don't you just go ahead and have an abortion? There are a lot of people that are saying those things. I've used this illustration before, but I think it's such a good one, I want to share it again. There was a well-recognized professor at a world-famous medical school. He proposed to his class an ethical question. They do a lot of that at school. And here's an ethical question for you. Here's a family. Let me give you a little bit of family history. The mother has tuberculosis. The father has syphilis. They have four children, one of which is blind. Another one, he already died. The third one has tuberculosis as well, and the fourth one is deaf. The woman is informed that she's pregnant. The parents come to you. They want to know if they should have an abortion or not. What advice would you give them? The class all sat there. If they listened to that, they kind of thought about it for a moment. The groups discussed it amongst themselves, and then as a group, they all made their advice. Every group advised the parents to have an abortion. Based on the fact that mom's got TB, one's already died, dad's got syphilis, one child is blind, one is deaf, so obviously that child would be better off dead. <laughs> I can't even comprehend that thinking. But that's what the advice that they gave. By the way, that professor, he was describing the child that would be born, because mom and dad did not have an abortion. That child that was born, his name was Beethoven. I wonder how many Beethovens have been killed. And the list can go on. I mean, I could fill in the blank for everything you can think about. How many people have been killed, children have been murdered that would have had such an impact on this world? God's word is very plain and clear. Life is precious. Life is sacred. God has created it. It is not our responsibility. You make a decision to end the life of that child. Who are you to make that decision? You're not God. You're not the one that created life. We're created in the image of God. It is, it is a sanctified life. It is something that is special, set apart. It's different than all creation. We were created on purpose for a purpose. So what can we do? What are some things that we as Christians could do about abortion? I want to give you five practical things, very, very practical. Number one, and I think most important, is pray. Continue to pray. There's going to be a lot of people, because of the, 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 the ruling this week on, on last Friday, it's going to be like, okay, well, things are great now. We, can, you know, we won that battle. Remember I said, we're in a war. battle's not over. The war is not over. There may be that battle, but there is a battle that is raging. We need to pray. Draw near to God. Ask for His intervention. Draw near to God. Ask God to help that we as a state. I want to live in a state that's against the killing of the unborn children. Why do I want to do that? Because life is precious. Ask God for help. You know, when it comes down to it, all this we're talking about today, it's not a physical problem. It's not even a societal problem. It is a spiritual problem. This problem we're talking about is a problem with people, and a spiritual problem. And it's foolish to think that we can fight a spiritual battle in our flesh with our way of thinking. We can't do that. You need to pray. 
Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 12 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Christians, we need to be on our knees in prayer. We need to really be praying. We need to be praying that we'll see uh, that, that there'll be complete elimination of abortion in the state of Michigan. Pray. Number two, vote. Elect people into office who will promote life. This is a voting year right now. There's going to be a lot that's going to be determined this November. As I mentioned earlier, there's going to be, they're going to try to put an amendment on our Constitution that makes abortion unlimited. We have got to stand against that. And the way that they word it, they're trying to trick people, don't even know what they're signing. We need to get out and vote. You need to know the people you vote for, if they're for life or if they're for death. You need to know whether or not they are for life. Make sure you're well informed. Vote. Thirdly, encourage. Encourage people who are faced with abortion. Encourage them to life. Pray for those that are working in those areas too. My daughter, Gabrielle, she's a, a registered nurse. She, she works down at the, um, the family life uh, family, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Would you help me out? Pregnancy Care Center, thank you. Pregnancy Care Center down in Holland. And last week, they had all of the local uh, pregnancy care centers came together. They met with police, and they were t- a police officer came in and instructed them what to do in the coming days. How to get out, how to, you know, how to handle the situation. And we need to pray for these people that are on the front line, because that is a front line position right now. Because they're looking at them as the enemy, and yet those are the ones that have, they're there trying to help ladies that are trying to make decisions about this and helping them. Be in prayer for them. Encourage people to make the right choice. There's a lot of people out there that are encouraging them to get an abortion. There's a lot of boyfriends out there that are forcing and encouraging that girl to get that abortion. There's a, a lot of parents out there that are saying, hey, you don't want your life to be an inconvenience. Go get the abortion. We ought to be saying something ourselves and encouraging them to say, life is precious. I'm here to pray with you and help you. Encourage you. Teach. That's what I'm doing today. I think it's important that we understand what the Word of God says. But you as mom and dad need to really let your children be informed on this issue. People that you have a realm of influence on, help them to understand. Get some good information. And by the way, once again, the Word of God is the most important factor in this area of teaching. Number four, stand. Take a stand. Use peaceful legal means to voice your outrage against abortion that right now is still happening in the state of Michigan. We need to take a stand. Take a stand. You know, I look back and I think about the decisions that were made by the Supreme Court of this country, and I say that. It wasn't just the Supreme Court. It was a country, it was a society at large that had the decision that they thought that because of the color of somebody's skin that they should be treated differently. There's many different things we look back that we're not proud of, the things that back in the history of this country. By the way, that doesn't change the fact I'm proud to be an American. This is still the greatest country on the face of this earth. And we're celebrating that next week when we're talking about that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. That doesn't mean, though, we've been a perfect country. There's been some really horrific things that have been done in the past. 
And some people try to point this or point that, talk about the things they did to the black people with testing and different types of things they were trying to find a cure for. They tested them with, on black people. Those things are horrific. Uh, things that they did as far as treat, uh, uh, treating people and, and as, as less than human, horrific. But nothing compares. Now those are all horrible, but nothing comes close to 61 million lives. And it's my prayer, it's my desire that we would look down the road and that the next generation would look back at our generation and say, I can't believe they allowed that to go on, but I'm thankful today it's not that way. That if the Lord tarries, there'd be some preacher who would get up and preach in the pulpit and say, hey, this was the ruling they had then, back in 1973. Can you believe that they didn't believe that that beautiful baby, that creation, was created by God and they thought that there was a woman's right of privacy to kill that baby? Man, I pray that it is something that no longer exists in this country. And that's the way we ought to pray. That's the way we ought to long. I, I long for my grandchildren to grow up in a country where the abortion is not even part of the discussion. We need to pray. The only way that's going to happen is if we pray as God's people. I'm challenging you today. The battle, maybe this one was won, but the war is still raging. We still as a state must stand. Mark this down. This coming November, if we lose the House and the Senate and the, and the, the governor's seat, they're going to put into law worse than Roe versus Wade ever was. They're, they're wanting to put it into law. And there's some states that have already tried to put it into law. I don't think it passed, but they were putting it on the floor. Just the thought that they have up to 15 days after the baby is born to make a decision. You think I'm crazy? Go look at it. There is a battle that is before us. We are still in the war. We need to continue to pray when you get on our knees and pray. Let's all stand, if you would. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for creating us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Lord, thank you for knowing us. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having a plan for us, a purpose. Lord, I pray that there would be nobody that would believe the lie, that they're just an accident. God doesn't make mistakes. You made us to have a relationship with you. You love us beyond measure. Lord, I thank you so much for loving us, even though we are sinners. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you been born again? You know that you're going to heaven. You say, yes, I know I'm saved. I, I have no doubt in my mind if I died even this day that I would go to heaven. I've trusted in the promise of God's word. I've been born again. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high? Say, yes, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm a child of God. God bless you. Put your hands down. You might be here this morning, you don't have that peace. Listen, God wants you to know. God wants you to have that peace. God wants you to know before you leave this morning that you're on your way to heaven. The good news is that you can know. 
Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I don't have that peace. Maybe you've got fear. I mean, what if this was the last day here on earth? You took your last breath. Where would you go? Fear? Is that what's in your heart and mind? Doubt? Is God speaking to your heart today? You hear this morning, you say, Preacher, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I don't have that peace. I don't know. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, could I just ask you right now, would you slip your hand up? I'd like to pray for you. I won't call your name out. Would you say, I don't know. I don't have that peace. Anybody like that today? Just slip your hand up. Say, I don't know. I don't have that peace. It's God speaking to your heart today. Christian, I think the invitation is very simple. Will you make a commitment to take a stand? Will you make a commitment to teach, encourage? Will you take, take the commitment today when you say, Lord, we need your help. Lord, would you pray? In this invitation, I invite you just to come and to pray that we would see an end to abortion in this state. Would you come and pray? Would you pray for those perhaps that are going to make that decision even this week? You might know somebody you need to pray specifically for. Would you pray? Would you get on your knees knowing this is a spiritual battle? This is not a physical battle. We're in a spiritual warfare. We need God's help. Lord, I pray that you'd move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray there'd be an end abortion in this state. The end of taking of that life of that beautiful child, that baby in the womb. Lord, we as your people, I pray that we would stand together, that Lord, that we would stand strong upon the truth of your word, knowing the truth of how we were created and why we were created. Lord, that we as your people would cry out to you. Lord, that we would take a stand. Lord, that you would guide and give us wisdom. I pray in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you come and pray today? Would you just come pray and say, God, give us victory over this? Would you come and pray today and thank God for the decision this past week? Yes, we should thank him because he answered prayer.
Let's sing that first verse. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my hands and my days, let 